1: Welcome to church today. Glad you are with us. If this is your first time here, we want to welcome you to church. Thank you for choosing to join us today. If you're a regular attender, we're glad to see your face. Glad to see you back here today. If if you were with us prior to our Easter series, prior to March, you'll remember that we were in a series of messages covering the book of Ephesians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Now that letter, we're going to get back to today. We're going to get back into this study today. If you have a Bible, you can join us at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where we will pick up the study today. On the screen, you're going to see the title of this series called Sit, Walk, and Stand. Now the reason behind that is that the book of Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus, is nicely divided into those three sections. We have this section called Sit. We have a section where we're going to focus on walk. And then we have a section where we focus on stand. And I know it feels like stand and walk are backwards, but that's not the way it is if you read through Ephesians. The idea of sitting is this chair that we have here. Sitting is about receiving. It's about resting. It's about relaxing. It's about just learning to take that load off and receive from God the message that he has. Learning. To understand what is my identity, who am I, who has God created me to be, what is my value as a person, what is my worth as a person, what is my significance, where does my hope come from? It's understanding that I have been adopted by God, that I've been sealed by His Spirit, that I have been completely forgiven and redeemed. It's to understand that I was dead in my trespasses, but now I have been made alive in Christ. I can have peace in my heart where I didn't have peace, I can have hope. Where I've always felt hopeless and the first step in life is I've just got to sit and I've got to receive the first part of Ephesians. The first three chapters are really about that. It reminds me of what it's like to just go on vacation. I don't know if you've ever taken a vacation. Hopefully you have. If you are going to see family, that's not a vacation, by the way. That's that's called a trip. A trip is when you go see family because sometimes there's drama, sometimes there's issues. A vacation is where you actually do something fun. Okay? Not that seeing family, you know, if my parents are watching, sorry, mom and dad, but it's not that going to see family is not fun. It's just something different. It's something supposed to be relaxing and refreshing and rejuvenating. However, there are many among us who don't know how to vacation like that. I love what the Europeans, when they refer to the term of a vacation as a holiday, we're going on holiday. And I love that phrase. And I would love to just incorporate that into life. We're going on a holiday. However, many of you, don't know how to holiday. You don't know how to vacation. In other words, when you go on vacation, you have an itinerary and you have planned out the itinerary and you have it packed from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night where we're going to do all of these things and then we'll go to sleep, but we're going to get up the next morning and we're going to do it all again. First time we took our kids to Disney, and some of you have been through this exhausting experience that is Disney. First time we took our kids there, we thought, well, we're paying a lot of money for this. We're going to be up at 7 a.m. We're going to go to the park all day long. We are going to be there until it closes. We're going to do every ride possible. We're going to walk twenty-five to 30,000 steps in a day, and then we're going to go back to the hotel. We're going to go sleep really quick. We're going to get up. We're going to do it again the very next day. By the time you get home, you are more exhausted than you ever were, and you need a vacation from your vacation just to relax. We had the opposite experience, though, when Jennifer and I, three years ago, celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary, we went, we went to Puerto Vallarta just to celebrate that momentous time. And when we were there, just her and I, we did nothing. Absolutely nothing, except for walk from the hotel room, which had a beach view, an ocean view, down to the beach, which had an ocean view as well. And we sat on the beach, absorbed the sun, ate way too much food, and did absolutely nothing. And it was the most restful, relaxing time that we have ever had on a vacation or a holiday. To sit is to do that. Nothing. Just receive. Just rest. Just know God. Let Him know you. Let Him show you His truth. Let that just sink into your pores, into your bones, where you just receive from God. Learn how to pray. Learn how to rest. Learn who He has made you to be. Now, once that happens, now it's time for the work to begin. We can't stay on the beach as long as I, as much as I would like to. We can't stay on the beach of Puerto Vallarta forever. There's a certain point in time where you've got to stand up and go to work. God has called us and designed us to live out life, and that's what walking is. It's the living out of my life. So now we have received, now it's time to walk. The message titled today... It's called just that. It is the worthy walk. It's time now to start walking. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, help us to hear from you. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you right now in this time. Lord, there are some among us that do just what I described. They can't seem to relax. They go on vacations with an itinerary jam-packed full, and they have to constantly be doing Lord, there are some of us that live out our Christian lives in exactly the same way. We just constantly have to be doing, and Lord, you just want us to be. You just want us to sit and receive and hear from you and grow in your grace. But there's a certain point, Lord, and today is where we start this, where you have now said, okay, now it's time to live it out. You've called us to be different. You've called us to walk in a manner worthy of you, And so, Lord, begin to show us what that means, how that looks, and what we are supposed to do as we keep going through this life. Help us to be different. We can't be the same that we've always been. We can't react the same. We can't act the same. We can't feel the same. We have to be different. So, Lord, start showing us what a different life is going to look like. As we open your word, teach us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, you've, re- you've rested, you've received, you've heard from God. Now, you can't stay the same. Christians cannot be the same as they've always been. Life has to be different. We have to be different. We have to move forward in the newness of God's grace as new creations in order to be who he's wanted us to be. We have been transformed by him. And because we have been transformed, we are now new. The idea of transformation in the Bible, and you've heard me speak about this before, but it comes from the word metamorpho in the Greek, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. A metamorphosis is going from one creature into something new, like a caterpillar into a butterfly. This is who you used to be. This is who you are today. We are different. We have been made different, and we have to start walking in a different way than we ever have. Paul is going to address this going forward, starting in Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 and into the middle of 6, where he is going to show us different aspects of life. In other words, he's going to start pointing out that because of Jesus, now you have a new purpose. Because of Jesus, you now have a new mind and a new way of thinking. Because of Jesus, you're going to now deal with your anger different than you ever have before. Because of Jesus, you're going to stop lying the way that you've always been lying. Because of Jesus, your speech and the words that come out of your mouth are going to be different. And they have to be different. Because of Jesus your marriage will be different. Your parenting will be different. Your work relationships will be different. In other words, everything about your life will change because of what Jesus has done within you. This is what it's going to be to walk out this life. So let's look together at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three, and then I'm going to tack in verse 17. We're not going to talk about that. We'll get to that later, but I wanted to bring this into the conversation. Here's what it says. Now, Paul's starts it this way. He says, "...therefore." Notice that word, therefore. Every time you see that in the Bible, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the therefore therefore? Why is it there? Well, the therefore ties in everything that Paul just said. What did he say? Well, he said to sit and rest and receive. Here's who you are. Here's how you've been adopted. Here's how you've been brought into the family of God. Here's how you've been forgiven. Here's how you've been made clean. Here's who you were. You were dead. Here's who you are now. You're alive. Here's how to pray therefore because of everything Paul just said now he says I a prisoner for the Lord remember Paul is writing this from a jail cell encouraging the church in Ephesus he says I urge you in other words I I, I'm, I'm motivating you I am just I'm calling you to I'm strongly encouraging you to walk In a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. This is what he's going to ask you to do. I'm urging you because of everything I've already said, I want you to start walking worthy of God. Now, let that just sink in for a minute and ask yourself this question. Am I walking in a manner worthy of God? In other words, if God were standing before me watching the way I acted, watching how I talked, watching the decisions that I made, would he come up and pat you on the back and said, good job, I am so proud of you? Or would he shake his head in disbelief and say, what are you doing? You are not acting in any way that is worthy of me. Picture it this way. You're an athlete and you are you've got a name on the back of your jersey. You ever seen this happen in the NFL or the NBA or baseball? There's a name on the back of the jersey. And as soon as that player scores a touchdown or scores a uh, you know, makes a basket, scores a goal, they naturally start pointing to the back of their jerseys because it's about me. Well, you have a jersey. And it says, God, child of God on the back of it. Are you living up to the name that is on the back of your jersey in the way that you're living out life? Or is God just like, oh, I cannot believe he said that. I cannot believe he acted like this. This is not becoming of me. That is walking worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, what is that walking worthy going to look like? Well, you and I will be. Walking with complete humility, gentleness, patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, the Ruach in the Hebrew, in the bond of peace or shalom. Verse 17, Paul says, So I tell you this, indeed I insist on it in the Lord, walk no longer as the pagans do. Don't walk like everybody else. Walk as a child of God. Live your life out as a child of God. Be different. You can't be the same that you've always been. Well, we're going to look at three aspects of what it means to walk worthy of the Lord today. Here's the first aspect I want to show you. Number one, walk different from the world. The idea of the world is everybody else. Do not walk like everybody else. Don't just be like, because they were doing it, don't do it as well. Just because the world acts that way doesn't give you the right to. They throw a fit, you don't have the right to. Now think about how the world acts. The world is reactionary. The Christian is not reactionary. You don't just react. That's the way the world is. The world is emotional. Driven by emotions I'm not going to be driven by emotions They're fickle things I can't react the way that the world is I can't live according to my emotions The world is deluded They have believed a lie I'm not going to believe a lie I'm not going to go along with that Because everybody else says it Doesn't mean I will agree with it I'm not going to live in delusion The world is selfish and self-centered Everything has to be about me I can't be that way I can't live like that Because that's not becoming of a person who is a Christian, a person who's walking worthy of the Lord. The world is prideful. I'm not going to walk in pride because that is not becoming of a child of God who's wearing God's name on the back of his jersey. It's being a representative for God everywhere you go. Now, John writes this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world, because that's how the world is. And you're not like the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what is that going to mean to us? It means stop living for the here and now. Live with eternity in mind. Now, you've seen me use this analogy before, but let me just demonstrate it once again for those of you that have not seen it, or as a good refresher for those of you that have seen it, but maybe it's been a little bit of a while. So, this rope represents your timeline, and it's your timeline. The white rope represents your timeline in eternity, and so eternity stretches from the beginning to forever, so this is your timeline, okay? Stretches on forever and ever and ever. So just picture that this rope goes from this side where you were born, stretches out forever. You could just, it just keeps going and going and going. And that is the timeline of eternity. In this rope, there's a little piece of blue at the, at the top of it, at the front of it. This is your life here and now. Your life here and now is, according to the book of James, it's a vapor, it's a mist, it's like here one second, gone the next. That's all your life consists of. It's just this little small little portion here on this world and everything else will be in eternity. Most people live their life focused on this It's all, this is what matters. I'm going to make myself happy. Hey, live your best life now. Do your best, you know, enjoy everything you can. That's this. This doesn't matter for that. What matters is everything else. And so I can't live my life focused on loving the world. I've got to focus my life on eternity, What's going to make a difference for eternity? What's going to matter for eternity? How's my life going to be impacted for eternity? So John writes, don't love the world, this. Instead, because if you do, God's love is not really in you. Instead, live your life with an eternal perspective. Live for not the temporary, but live for the eternal. In the book of James, it says this. James raises question. He says this question. Where do quarrels and conflicts among you come from? Anybody had a quarrel or conflict today on your way to church maybe in the car? Don't raise your hands if you do. I don't want to know about it. Anybody have a quarrel or a conflict this past week? Anybody had an argument with your spouse this past week? Anybody had a disagreement at work this past week? Anybody had a conflict with a parent or a parent with a child this past week? James says, where where does that come from? Well, he answers it. Kind of a rhetorical question. I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Don't they come from within you? Namely, your passions that battle within your body parts? Isn't it just coming from within you? Isn't the real problem you? Yeah, you're the problem. That's what he's saying. You crave and have not. You murder and you envy and you cannot get it. You fight and you wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you even ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own passions. You adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world, you want to be a friend of the, of the little world, don't you know that that means you're then in conflict and in strife with God? Because you can't love the world and love God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that in vain the scripture says that God yearns jealously over the spirit which he has made to dwell in us? That means that God looks at you jealously and your attentions are going elsewhere. He wants your attentions and your affections on him. Therefore, but he, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what does this all mean? It means, hey, we are called to be different. You can't be the same. You have to be different. God will change you from the inside. You can't keep reacting. You can't keep acting. You can't keep being emotional. You have to be different if you're really a follower of Jesus. Once you rest in him, it will change you from the inside out. Which leads us to number two. Not only do I walk different from the world, I walk worthy of the Lord. Again, what does it mean to walk worthy? Well, you are a representative of him. If you are a going to work, when you go into your place of work, how you act, how you talk, how you function is a representation of God. Walking away Go to work in a way that you are a good representative for him. You're a student. You go to school. When you go to school, don't act the way that all of your classmates act. You're a representative of him. If you are an athlete, you go on the field. If you're playing football on the baseball field, you go on the court, whatever it might be, you are different. You're a representative for God everywhere you go. People are watching. People are seeing, and you are having an impact for God in the way that you are acting and portraying yourself because you've got His name on your jersey. People are following you. I'll never forget this concept of walking worthy of God or walking worthy uh, in the way that you're just living out your life. I, I, People are watching how you walk. They're watching how you act. They're following along. Your kids follow along in how you act and where you walk. We were, uh, and I've told this story before, again, bear with I just repeat stories sometimes, but um, we were downtown Denver, and our whole family was there, Jennifer and I, and our kids. And we were, I don't know what, I remember what we were doing. We we're just kind of, I think we were going to a baseball game, maybe, going to see the Rockies play or something. And we were downtown Denver, and I was holding our littlest guy, Alec, in my arms. And right behind me was little Austin. Austin was probably about four at the time, and Alec may have been one or two at the time. And I'm holding him in my arms. And I sometimes am not the most patient. I'm, can anybody relate to that, or am I the only one? Uh, sometimes I'm just not the most patient. And so traffic is happening, and I'm like, I don't want to wait for the little walk sim- symbol. I, I I can make it. I can cross. There's a, a spot to cross the road. It's a busy traffic day, but. There's an opening. I can walk across. And so, walking across, carrying my little little child Alec in my arms, I go across the street, and I see that there is a big bus coming down the road, and it's coming toward us. And it's like the driver had something in his eyes that was crazy, and he accelerated toward us uh, as he's co- as we're trying to cross. And as he's accelerating, I quickly go across the rest of the way, get across. None of the family was following behind smartly, except for little Austin. And he was following right behind. And it was a closer call of getting across the street than I realized it was going to be. That night, I had a nightmare of him falling down in the road as he's following me across. And it just scared me. And I thought, my goodness, I need to be careful how I walk because I've got little ones following right behind me. Does that make sense? Walking worthy of God is being careful how you walk because people are following behind. Here's what it says, what Paul again writes. He says, therefore, I, I'm going to urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. You were called by Jesus Are you walking in a manner worthy of that calling? In Colossians, Paul writes this. He says, For this reason also, ever since we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We keep asking God that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Here's what Paul says I'm praying for for, for you. He says, I'm praying that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So again, ask yourself the question, am I pleasing God? Would God be happy with how you act at work, how you act at school, how you act in sports? Would God be happy? And would he, would he pat you on the back and say, good job? Would he applaud you and say, I'm so proud? Or would he just say, what are you doing? Why are you acting like this? You are a representative of me, and I want you to be different. Walk worthy of the calling. Number three, and this is what we'll end with today, walk with godly character. So walk different from the world, walk worthy of the Lord, and as you walk, walk with godly character. You ask the question, probably in your mind, well, what does that look like? What what does that exactly mean? How then should I act? Well, Paul clarifies it. Ephesians 4, here's what he says. Therefore, I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. What is that going to look like? Well, you are full of complete. That means all, everything, every form of humility gentleness, patience, and putting up with one another in love. See, these are the ingredients of what it means to walk as a representative for him. Your living life, gentle, patient, humble, putting up with other people. Now, I can get my mind around some of those, but not all of them. Putting up, seriously putting up with people? Have you ever been around people? They're hard at times. They're messy at times. They can be tough at times. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes they're even in your own family that that's the way it is. But God wants me to put up with them. I can't put up with them unless I have humility and gentleness and patience. Now, looking around the room, I know that there are some of you that those three words are not the words that I would just use to describe you. I would like to. And they probably aren't the three words that you would use to describe me. But I would like that to be the case. Let's talk about what those words mean. Let's start with humility. God, you want me to walk with humility. What is humility? Well, humility is the opposite of pride. Pride is selfishness. Self-centeredness Narcissism comes into pride It's where you're constantly Living life for yourself Thinking about yourself Everything has to revolve around you That's pride Humility is the opposite of that Humility Is to see myself Accurately What do you mean by that? Well, see yourself through God's eyes How does God see you? One, he does not see you as the center of the universe. You're not that. He sees you the right way. You're not the center of the world. He also, though, knows that you're not worthless because he sent his son for you. He gave his life for you. You're worthwhile. See yourself as though I don't deserve anything from God. I haven't earned anything from God, but for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I am worthwhile to God. He was willing to give his life for me. It's not about me. I'm not going to be the center of the universe. It's about you, God. But thank you that you love me, even though I didn't deserve it. That's humility. Humility means this. And I'm going to give you this definition. I want you to remember this. Humility does not mean to think less of yourself It's to think of yourself less. Does that make sense? You can't come away with the concept of, I am just so awful. I can't believe how bad I am. I am just the worst. I am just no good. No, that's not accurate. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not about you. It's about him. I don't think... Of myself uh, I don't think less of myself But I just think of myself less I start thinking of other people I think of others and I think of God That's humility So he says I want you To walk with complete humility Are you doing that? How's that working? Then he says and I want you to walk with Gentleness The word gentleness is a fascinating Word I want to define For you the word gentleness in the Bible is the Greek word praos. Now, I don't care if you remember that Greek word, it doesn't matter to me if you do. I want to define it for you. Praos means meek, mild, and gentle. It is the words describe Jesus. Jesus is meek, mild, and gentle. Now we often associate the word meek with the word weak. When you look at Jesus, do you think of just weak? Just a just a weak guy. Not at all. I mean, this guy, this God-man came into the temple and just erupted and threw over tables. That's not weak to me. He confronted. That's not weak. He didn't back down. That is not weak. Meekness, gentleness, praos is something completely different. This is the word that is used of a horse that has been broken. That's what praos is, a horse that has been broken. Have you ever been around horses much? I have and haven't. I, we had a horse because I had a daughter who wanted a horse, and I was wanting, uh, wanting her to love me more than she loved her mom. So I said, yes, we can get a horse. <laughs> And it was just a mistake, I'm just telling you. A mistake because, number one, I was the one who took care of the horse primarily, and I know nothing about horses. And I have no desire to know anything about horses, but we had this horse. We had a horse that was about a year and a half, two years old. A big horse, powerful horse. Again, I don't know anything about horses, but I did know that this horse, you could approach, you could pet, you could talk to, but this was not a trained horse went down to the horse barn one day, and I had some treats in my pocket because I thought that's what you should do with a horse. You should give them horse treats, apple-flavored horse treats, kind of like a little cookie that you would give to the horse. And I had a few of them in my pocket. Got down to this horse and pulled out one of those treats and gave the horse a treat, and the horse loved it and loved me. And I was just the hero to everybody at that moment. We started walking through the pasture. I had more of those treats in my pocket, and this horse was following along about, I don't know, maybe 10 feet behind as we were walking through the pasture, and I wasn't really thinking much of it. Well, the horse was following because the horse was selfish, and the horse wanted more horse treats that I had in my pocket, but I hadn't given those treats to this horse. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw as this horse turned on its front legs, reared up and kicked toward me. Last second, I kind of turned and the blow that was right at my kidneys just kind of deflected instead of catching me full force. The horse kicked me because the horse was mad and the horse was selfish because I wouldn't give the horse more treats. Now, that is, not pro- host. that is not a broken horse. A horse that has been broken retains all power, retains all ability, but has placed all of that underneath the control of a master. To be gentle says this. I may have ability, I may have talent, I may have power, but I am putting all of that under the lordship and leadership of Jesus. And I will then respond with a gentle walk, because I am now broken and under the master's control. I hope that that makes sense. Final word, he says this, so that's humility, gentleness, and then he says walk with patience, Again, this may be where it hits home for you. Let me define the word patience for you. Again, I'm going to give you a Greek word. It's not important that you remember this, but I want to define it for you because it's important. And in fact, it's going to come up again when we start talking about anger in the Bible in a few verses. It's the Greek word macrothumia. Again, whether you remember that or not is not important. Let me define the origin. Thumia is the word for anger Not just anger, it's explosive anger It is where we get our word thermal And it refers to an explosion that happens The word macro means long to Put the words together, here's what it means It means patience is long to explosive anger In other words, your buttons could be pushed and you don't react. You could be in a conflict and you don't blow up. You could have strife that is happening and you're able to keep it under control. That's long to explosive anger. And that's what patience is. And so the characteristics that Paul gives of what a worthy walk looks like is this. That you're living life as a person who's humble. It's not all about you. You see yourself rightly. You think of yourself less. You're a person who's gentle, broken, and under God's control. And you're patient. I'm long to ever blow up and explode in anger. Ask yourself the question. Is he describing me? Is that how I live? Am I gentle at home? Am I patient? Do I blow up in anger toward my spouse? Toward my kids? Am I humble? Am I walking with humility? When I go to school, around my classmates, am I gentle? Am am I humble? Am I patient? When I'm playing sports... Am I in in a right way? Because, you know, you're not going to just bow down and and not compete. But in a right way, am am I still humble? Am I still gentle? Am I still patient? All of these things are the descriptive words that Paul says describe what a worthy walk looks like. And then he wraps it up with this. When you do that, that's also going to give you the ability to put up with one another. Because we're messy and we're problematic and we can be irritating and we have different personalities and we have different opinions and we have different wants and desires and needs, but we put up with each other and we do so in love. Why would we do that? Well, look in the mirror because other people are doing that for you and God has done that for you. God puts up with us in love, though we don't deserve it. All of this is what keeps the family and the church and the community unified. To walk worthy of him is the next task that we have. You've sat, you've listened, you've received. Now are you walking it out? As you go to work this week, I want you to go with this thought in mind. Am I humble? Am I gentle? Am I being patient? When you go to school, am I humble? Am I gentle? Am I being patient? When you go to sports, am I humble? Am I gentle? Am I being patient? Allow God to work through you as you walk out life with him. We're going to close today with a word of prayer. And then we are going to dismiss and just go out back into the world. But as you go into the world, remember, I am to walk different than everybody else does. Just because they think that, just because they say that, just because they do that, doesn't mean I am. I'm going to walk different. I'm going to walk worthy of God. I've got his name on my jersey, and I'm going to be a good representation for him. And I'm going to walk with godly character. And I'm going to be humble. And I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be patient because God is at work in me. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to be that. Help us to have godly character. Help us to have godly motivation. Help us to walk in a manner that you are pleased with, that you might look at us and say, well done. I am pleased with you. How you just behaved, what you just said, how you acted, I am so pleased with that. Help us not to bring embarrassment on you. Help us not to bring embarrassment on one another. Help us to follow you with all of our hearts. Lord, convict us and help us to be humble and to be gentle and to be patient and to put up with one another in love. Thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for being a part of this place, Lord. As we go out into this world, help us to be your church in a hurting community. It's your name. In your name we pray. The name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you back here next week as we continue walking through what it means to sit, walk, and stand with the Lord.
0: Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.